In this presentation, we will discuss figuring gross profit with relation to a sole proprietorship generally reporting on a Schedule C. This information can be found in Publication 334. Introduction. After you have figured gross receipts from your business and cost of goods sold, two items we took a look at in prior presentations, you are ready to figure your gross profit. You must determine gross profit before you can deduct any business expenses. These expenses are discussed in Chapter 8. So the gross profit then, if we take a look at our Schedule Z, we took a look at the amount of revenue that we have up top. So generally the income up top in line one. Then in line four, we're typically going to have the cost of goods sold, or we'll always have the cost of goods sold on the Schedule C. It's always on line four. Cost of goods sold, which has the calculation on page two, as we've discussed in prior presentations. And then, of course, now that we have those two items, we consider the gross profit. So don't confuse the gross profit with either revenue. Revenue is basically the revenue before the cost of goods sold. And don't confuse gross profit with basically the net income down below or the, the net income for tax purposes, which will be reported on line 29, the tentative profit or loss, or line 31, net profit or loss. So the gross income is going to be a subcategory in the income statement as we go on to the bottom line number, which is in essence net income. And the reason for it is because when we think about a merchandising company or if we think about a manufacturing company, the relationship between the sales amount and the cost of goods sold really important. So we want another subcategory. So remember that cost of goods sold is really just kind of like an expense, just like all the other expenses we'll have down here. In that, But it's such an important expense that we generally put it up top. And then we have this kind of breakout of a subcategory called, in this case, uh, gross income which will be on line seven. Then we'll go into all the other kind of expenses which aren't as important and therefore they're all grouped together in expenses in part two uh, to get to the tentative profit. And then we might have some other items including if we have the business use of the home here on line 30. Back to the text. If you are filing a Schedule CEZ, your gross profit is your gross receipts plus certain other amounts explained later. So if you're filing an EZ, you still may file a Schedule uh, CEZ, a, a simplified Schedule C, if you have gross profit. But as the return gets more complicated, of course, you'll probably be moving over to the full Schedule C as opposed to the Schedule CEZ. Businesses that sell products. If you are filing a Schedule C, figure your gross profit by first figuring your net receipts. Figure net receipts line 3 on Schedule C by subtracting any returns and allowances line 2 from gross receipts line 1. Returns and allowances include cash or credit refunds you make to customers, rebates, and other allowances off the actual sales price. Next, subtract the cost of goods sold line 4 from net receipts line 3. The result is gross profit from the business. So in essence, we have the gross profit up top. We've got line one, any returns and allowances. That would make the adjustment for line three. And then we have line four where uh, we have the cost of goods sold, which you can see on page two. Taking out the cost of goods sold from line three gives us the gross profit. And then line six, other income, including federal and state gasoline and whatnot, line six. And then line seven, gross income, where we would add line fives and six. Back to the text. Businesses that sell services. 
You do not have to figure the cost of goods sold if the sale of merchandise is not an income producing factor for your business. Your gross profit is the same as your net receipts, gross receipts uh, minus any refunds, rebates, or other allowances. Most professions and businesses that sell services rather than products can figure gross profit directly from net receipts in this way. So note that the gross profit, of course, if we don't have cost of goods sold, we don't sell inventory, we're probably not going to have anything on line four we shouldn't because we don't have any inventory to sell so then that in that case then of course the gross receipts would basically flow through to in essence line seven and and uh, it would be the same number flowing through as we go to the subtotals the gross profit would be the same as the gross receipts because of course we don't have any kind of the expense item up there of the cost of goods sold in that case so here's just an example. Uh, this is year ended uh, December 31st, 2018. We have the income statement. We've got the gross receipts. This is going to be the income amount minus the returns and allowances. So if we have any returns and allowances, that gives us the net receipts. So the net receipts. And notice the returns and allowances. You might ask, well, why is that up top? I mean, what are returns and allowances? You could think of them as kind of acting as the same way as an expense. But really, if something got returned, What's happening is the sale that we made, the actual sale that we made, didn't really happen because we made a sale and then it got kicked back. So the sale kind of didn't happen. So the reason returns and allowances is up top is really because it's saying, hey, this is our sales, including those sales that kind of weren't really sales because they got returned. And so here's the return. And this is kind of then the net receipts, the net sales that we have. So it really brings down the, uh, the amount of net income in essence, like an expense would but it's kind of a reverse of income rather than an expense. That's how it's going to be treated. That's why it's up top in the income section. And then we're going to subtract out, of course, the cost of goods sold. That gives us our gross profit. Now, remember, the gross profit is not net income. we got a lot more expenses. We're not done. We're far, far away from done because we have a lot of other expenses. But these are the important items. This relationship is really important and therefore it's broken out and another subcategory is provided for it. The cost of goods sold for this business is figured as follows. So we have the beginning inventory. This is the cost of goods sold formula. This is in essence on page two, right? This is page two or in, in this part three, page two. So we have the inventory at the beginning of the year. Then we added plus purchases. So this is purchases during the year minus items withdrawn for personal use. If we haven't any, if we took any out for our personal use, then we'd have to subtract that out. That gives us this number, 283,250 uh, for purchases, goods available for sale, this number plus this number. And then we have minus inventory at the end of the year, this number. And that gives us our cost of goods sold item, which of course is then up here. In, in place there this formula you should just get used to it because you're going to see it anytime you deal with inventory so in anytime you deal with any kind of tracking of anything supplies and things like that so beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending inventory gives you cost of goods sold or you can add this kind of subcategory in your thinking beginning inventory plus purchases gives you uh, goods available for sale minus the ending inventory is cost of goods sold and if you know that formula note that again you could figure out any component of it then we always think of it i wouldn't don't in other words don't make another another formula if you're trying to figure out the beginning inventory you don't have you don't try to memorize the formula in a different format just memorize this formula 
and then put in algebra just say i don't know this number i have one unknown and this is formula so the beginning inventory i don't know plus purchases minus ending inventories is, is this so how then using algebra can i figure out what this number should be and you don't have to do you don't even have to do it algebraically you can just think well just think about it when you have this formula that you put out in this in this way or you can do it algebraically too either way works items to check consider the following items before figuring your gross income gross receipts at the end of each business day make sure your records balance with your actual cost and credit receipts for the day you may find it helpful to use cash registers to keep track of receipts you also should use a proper invoicing system and keep a separate bank account for your business so these are basically kind of best practices to help uh, with the tracking of the books sales tax collection check to make sure your records show the correct sales tax collected so if you have to have sales tax of course then you're going to have sales tax with inventory typically you know we'll have sales tax oftentimes when we deal with inventory so then we got to track the sales tax so back to the text if you collect state and local sales taxes imposed on you as the seller of, of goods or services from the buyer you must include the amount collected in gross receipts if you are required to collect state and local taxes imposed on the buyer and turn them over to state or local government you generally do not have to include these amounts in income so be, be aware whether or not you have to include them in income or not note if if you're not including them in income then you want to make sure that you're collecting the money right but you don't want to make you don't want to include the amount of sales tax in the income calculation if you don't have to and the and the way that basically happens just from a journal entry kind of standpoint is that when we make a sale if we sell something for a hundred dollars or so you know sales would go up by the hundred dollars but then we had to charge sales tax which would be another five dollars so the cash we got is going to be let's say 105 five i just made up five the the, the amount of, <laughs> the point is that cash is increasing by 105 but we don't want to say cash is a we don't want the cash to equal what our sales amount our sales only went up by 100 income revenue profit only went up by 100 and the other five we would record as a payable sales tax payable a liability so this five dollars would never be if we did the proper bookkeeping it never hits the income statement in this type of scenario right it would just be on the balance sheet as a payable and then we would pay it and lower the cash and, and reduce the payable if we're not being careful with our bookkeeping system and we just add up the receipts from customers well we might just pick up the 105 and overstate we could overstate our income in that way and possibly end up paying more taxes than we need to if we do that inventory at beginning of year compare this figure with last year's ending inventory the two amounts uh two amounts should usually be the same so remember when you're considering the inventory amount if we have our beginning inventory on page two of the schedule c should match ending inventory from page two of the schedule c from the prior year typically if not we need justification for it because the irs may ask about it it's it's one of those things that the irs can clearly see don't need a person to see that the computer can pick it up and just spit that out and say hey there's something funny happening here it doesn't quite tie out uh, so it could be something that could uh, generate a question back to the text purchases 
If you take any inventory items for your personal use, use them yourself, provide them to your family, or give them as personal gifts, etc., be sure to remove them from the cost of goods sold. Your details on how to adjust cost of goods sold see merchandise withdrawn. So note, I mean, if you take money out of, of the merchandise for personal use, then of course the iris is skeptical of that because if you if you do that if you take the if you take something out of the of it for personal use and and you record it as uh, purchases then eventually the IRS, you may record it as an expense and the iris is doesn't want that of course because expenses are kind of good when we're thinking about taxes because it would lower the amount of net income so the so we got to remember that anything that you provide to yourself for the business you can't take an expense for it typically that you have to record it as a draw uh, so you have to adjust that for draws typically uh, rather than putting it in the cost of goods sold back to the text inventory at end of year check to make sure your uh, procedures for taking inventory are adequate these procedures should ensure all items have been included in inventory and proper pricing techniques have been used so you want to have checks and internal controls over your inventory, probably including a physical count at the end of the year, making sure that you've included everything within that physical count, properly valuing the inventory. You might want to take a, take a look at, you know, if the inventory has gone down in value, is there any shrinkage, is something lost, spoilage, and that kind of thing with regard to the proper reporting of ending inventory. Use inventory forms and added machine tapes as the only evidence uh, for your inventory. Inventory forms are available at office supply stores. These forms have uh, columns for recording the description, quantity, unit price, and value of each inventory item. Each page has space to record who made the physical count, who priced the items, who made the extensions, and who uh, pr proofread the calculations. So this will give you kind of an audit trail on it. So you can actually uh, say, hey, here's the physical count we had, here's the tapes we ran, here's who actually did the physical count, and then you would like to have someone else have a check on it so that you have a double verification of it. That would be, again, types of internal controls that you can do uh, with regard to inventory. It's just best practices to do that, not only for records for tax calculations, but to track your inventory well and make sure that you have good uh, controls over the inventory. Back to the text, these forms will help satisfy you that the total inventory is accurate. They also prove, provide you with a permanent record to support its validity. So when we're thinking about taxes, of course, we're worried about, we're concerned about validity. In case of an audit, we want to make sure that we have a valid, uh, if they ask about this, we want to have the records and say, here's the records. Now, this, this is obviously also getting into internal controls. And in that case, you want to do this kind of stuff because it's best practice, of course, just for the tracking of the inventory to make sure that you have a good handle on the inventory and are aware of the inventory, the physical account for your records. Also, to make sure that there's no problems and uh, with theft or things like that uh, related to inventory. Back to the text. Inventories are discussed in Chapter 2. Testing gross profit accuracy. If you are in a retail or wholesale business, you can check the accuracy of your gross profit figure. First, divide gross profit by the net receipts. Resulting percentage measures the average spread between the merchandise cost of goods sold and the selling price. Next, compare this percentage to your markup policy. 
little or no difference between these two percentages show that your gross profit figure is accurate. A large difference between these percentages may show that you did not accurately figure sales, purchases, inventory, or other items of cost. So this is another kind of check figure that we can basically do a, a second type of calculation and we should come up with a similar number. And if we don't come up with a similar number, then it could show, it could point to where are some problems that we can go in and figure out what those problems are. Back to the text, you should determine the reason for the difference. Example, Joe Abel operates a retail business. On the average, he marks up his merchandise so that he will realize a gross profit of 33 and one third percent. So he buys merchandise, he marks it up, and therefore his profit is going to be a 33.13 percent. So on its sales, the net receipts, gross receipts minus returns and allowance shows his income statement is 300,000. His cost of goods sold is 200,000. This, this results in gross profit of 100,000, right? Because that's going to be the 300 minus 200 means he's got a gross profit of 100. To test the accuracy of year's results, of this year's result, Joe divides profit, 100,000, by net receipts, 100,000. The result is 33 and a third confirms his markup. So, so you see what's happening here. He's got a standard markup of 33 and a third percent. That's the standard markup. So if we then get to the end of the year and we say, well, what's our gross receipts? 300,000 minus the cost of goods sold, 200,000. We should be able to take then the 100,000 divided by the 300,000 and get to this 33 and a third percent because that's our gross markup percentage. So if we don't get to that percent, then something funny happened throughout the, the time period. So it should be close to this percent, it may not be exact, but it should be close to that percent. If it's not, then, then there's something going on other than just sales that happen with relation to that same kind of markup uh, percentage of 33. Now, if you sell things at different percentages, it's not always a 33 and a third percent markup and whatnot, then that won't, you won't be able to do that. You have to have a constant 33 and a third percent markup uh, for this to work well. Back to the text, additions to gross profit. If your business has income from a source other than its regular business operations, enter the income on line six of the Schedule C and add it to gross profit. The result is gross business income. The result is gross business income. If you use Schedule CEZ, include the income on line one of the schedule. Some examples include income from the interest-bearing checking account, income from scrap sales, income from certain fuel tax credits, and refunds and amounts recovered from bad debts.